0: You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I hope things are going well for you out there. Well, for me, one of the the side effects of this lockdown coronavirus shutdown is that I have a chance to do a little more sorting and organizing. And so I was going through my storage area and found the Rubbermaid tub of magazines that I've had from when I was a kid. And one of the things I found inside was Tops Magazine, and I started to look through the first couple issues and thought maybe we could talk a little bit about issues one and two and do a little breakdown and a deep dive into what was covered in those issues, and we'll get into it after this break. StarStock is a new trading card marketplace which is preparing to go live in April. Their goal is to be a faster and cheaper solution to sell cards, and they're looking for sellers who want to be some of the first to have their cards available for sale at launch, I'm going to be testing the platform with my own submission. They're offering a 5% sales commission with no other submission or processing fees. You send in your cards and they do all the work. Cards are insured and stored in a vault and you can have your cards shipped to you at any time. You'll be able to buy, store, or flip cards at the push of a button. If you're interested in learning more about getting involved as a seller and getting your cards onto the site for launch, contact Mike Kuchera via email at mike at starstock.com. They're looking for sellers who have rookie and prospect cards of current players for the major sports. For more details, contact Mike Kuchera at mike at starstock.com or go to www.starstock.com. Well, in the winter of 1990, the printing presses were cranking and not just for the upcoming Topps Rainbow Border set of that year. Topps entered the magazine publishing business with the debut of Topps Magazine. Now I was already a Beckett subscriber, and I was happy to shell out the other $2.95 to purchase another hobby magazine, and this one was by one of my favorite manufacturers. Unlike Beckett, and the variety of other price guides on the market, Tops magazine was full color and focused more on player stories and reviews of the Tops products rather than prices. The premiere issue featured Jose Canseco on the cover and included an uncut sheet of eight exclusive baseball cards, Rookie of the year King Griffey Jr. was included along with AL hot prospect outfielder Dan Peltier. In case you were wondering, he ended up playing 108 games over the course of three seasons in the early to mid nineties. He batted 255, had over 243 at bats, and belted one single home run. I really enjoyed reading back through this over you know, the last couple days, and I love looking back at the assessments of the collecting world at that time, as well as what predictions Topps had for the future. Here's some of the highlights of Issue 1. A relative of Bob Feller needed to ask Topps if they had his autograph so that they could get in touch with him. In 1989 Bowman, it was a raving success and would return for the 1990 season. Details to come later. There was a 900 number where collectors could call to hear card stuff being talked about for a dollar a minute. Do you remember 900 numbers? That was crazy. Um, Bo Jackson rookie cards were predicted to be a few thousand dollars each in the coming years. I wish that were the case. So does Big Shep. The 1990 top set would be released soon and a solid seven and a half pages were devoted to walking us through the specifics. It was a pretty in-depth write-up. The eight exclusive trading cards in the magazine were Dave Stanton, Dan Peltier, Griffey Jr., Ruben Sierra, Brett Saberhagen, Jerome Walton, one of my favorites, who I saw play in single A in Peoria, Kevin Mitchell, and Mike Scott. And then there was also a recap of highlights of the 1989 season. Now, the player-focused articles in this issue were can Griffey Kevin Mitchell and Don Mattingly and they're all about three to four pages with uh, lots of photos and some infographics and things like that and as I read some of those articles again I'd realized how much I'd forgotten about these guys who were on top of their game and really enjoyed going back through them and refreshing my memory you know um, Don Mattingly was driving a 1962 Ford pickup in 1989 what about that ken griffey jr and senior made about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars appearing at card shows and signings for the four months leading up to 1990 spring training everyone remembers kevin mitchell's one-handed catch but did you remember that he hit 47 home runs and knocked in 125 rbis that season i didn't until i read that again he was a really solid player at the peak of his career but over time that memories of a mediocre part-time player we saw over his four to five seasons at the end eclipse that greatness we saw early on in 1989 and 1990. And that's why I love going back through some of these old magazines. You know, I think we, we think back on the busted future stars like Eric Anthony, who hit 300 with 28 home runs in the minors during 89, or the Tops All-Star rookie Greg Briley, whose '89 season with the Mariners was actually on par with Griffey. And we laugh in hindsight about how wrong those labels were without remembering that the potential that those prospects actually showed, you know, there was a reason they were touted as such high prospects. Another feature I really enjoyed was the tutorial on how to keep score using an official scorecard. That's an art I learned through my high school playing days, but I'd have to imagine the number of kids who now know how to do it today is probably at an all time low. But issue one had two pages dedicated to teaching kids how to do this. And finally, they launched the first of a four-part series highlighting the top sets of the 80s. 80 through 82 were the focus of this issue, and 83 through 85 were going to be found in issue number two. You know, like I said before, I really enjoyed rereading this magazine. It looks like I have 15 of the 16 issues that were produced, and that should translate into hours of relived memories. And so I'm going to also here go ahead and talk about issue number two. So the first issue came out in January of 1990, and issue two followed three months later in April. And it featured Nolan Ryan on the cover and promised to highlight Ryan, Robin Yount, Bo Jackson, and Will Clark. Rookie fever was the only virus in town, and once you look at the free poster, you'd be able to dig in and learn all about errors. Here's some of the things that stood out to me about issue number two. Well, there's a reader from Florida who wrote in and wanted to talk about the Canseco feature in, in Issue 1. He he was you know he shared the important news that he was driving 65 miles an hour down the interstate, and Jose Canseco passed him while driving a Jaguar. The reader found this behavior very immature. Topps broke the news that Bowman would be back in 1990 in June, but it would shrink to the standard size of 2.5 by 3.5 inches. They also announced that Bowman football would return that fall using the same design as the baseball release. A quick story recap: the presentation of the 1990 George Bush cards that were handed to the president. You know, some of the the more famous 1990 cards that you can try to track down at this point. And there was a review of the top's number one draft picks cards, which correctly predicted that Frank Thomas would make his major league debut that summer. The careers of Earl Cunningham, Paul Coleman, and Donald Harris, they didn't quite match Frank's. Eight cards again were included of former players, of both current and former players, and Bo Jackson, Nolan Ryan, Will Clark, Robin Yount, Joe Morgan, Jim Palmer, Ben McDonald, and John Olerud were all included to delight collectors. You know, there's a pretty awesome calendar covering both the player birthdays and interesting facts that occurred on each date between April and September. I really like going through that poster. I can only see some of them because I still have it stapled into the, the centerfold. Um, but there are some pretty interesting facts that, that were on there. And so if you ever get a chance to, to get a copy of it, I would, I would recommend it. There's actually some good takeaways that I might use for some tweets you know, throughout the summer. And then there are two pages dedicated to a winning pitcher of the 1989 Little League World Series. And, and this is pretty cool. That pitcher was 13-year-old Chris Drury. And he collected baseball cards. Don Mattingly was his favorite. He loved to golf and he loved to fish. And the, the biggest concern in his life right then was he was worried about finding his hockey stick. Well, it seems that he finally found it because Chris went on to play parts of 12 seasons in the NHL. That is pretty cool that we found him as a 13-year-old and he went on to a, a major uh, hockey career. That's, that's pretty awesome. It also turns out that fraud and general shadiness were still uh, present at that time. They're not unique to today's eBay and Facebook scammers. Topps spent two pages in this issue guiding collectors on how to avoid counterfeit cards and mail-order fraud. And as promised, Ryan, Yount, Jackson, and Clark all received special attention. And similar to issue one, they all received a three to four page spread, which combined articles, photos, and a few other interesting infographics. In my opinion, it's a good blend of card info, career info, and some personal details. You know, these aren't hard hitting pieces, nor do they go near as, as deep or heady as some of the conversations that um, Brad Bluchian had in the Waxpack book but they are perfect for what Topps Magazine was trying to be. Another thing I really like about these first couple issues is they helped educate readers about the game. You know, like I I said a, a minute ago, in the first issue, we had instructions about keeping an official scorecard. And here in issue two, we had a little bit of a different focus, but we talked about how to calculate slugging percentage. They didn't just include the formula, but also some real life examples and a discussion on why the stat even matters. You know, as you look through the issue in its entirety, you can see the effort to focus on more than just one sport as well. You know, baseball was and continues to be top's bread and butter. But they clearly tried to throw some bones to other hobby interests in this issue. Football and hockey had shout outs and some small articles. And the magazine even closed out with an article about the 1962 Mars attack set. So even non-sports got a fair shake. You know, I wish this magazine made it longer than 16 issues. I'm having a ton of fun going back through and reading through it. Um, it was a perfect compliment to Beckett. You know, it, it wasn't as focused on prices as it was more on educating collectors. Um, you know, I, I almost view it as, as a, the podcast of 1990. You know, it had some promotion, had some player coverage. If it was if it was this current era, I, th- I think this type of content would be great for Tops to do their own podcast on. Well, that's all I have for you today. I would love to hear about your memories of Tops Magazine. Is that something that you um, bought? Is that something you subscribed to? Did you buy it instead of Beckett or did you buy it in addition to Beckett like I did? Let me know. Reach out at waxpackhero at gmail.com or follow me on twitter at the mike summer and and send me a message reply in the comments on the show notes page at waxpackhero.com i'd love to hear from you you can also reach out i'll be hosting the hobby hotline this coming saturday and you can reach out and call into that show it's a live call-in show we do with some of the other podcast hosts it is at 8 a.m pacific 10 a.m central 11 a.m eastern every saturday morning Well, thanks, and I will talk to you next time.